Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello, welcome to the Ingenuity Show. I'm Mr. Pold. I'm St. Jimmy. I'm D. Vitti. And I'm Master Zed. Welcome to another episode of the Ingenuity <laughs> Show, where we talk about technology, culture, news, and media. Our fake sponsor this week is Dogzilla, the tale of a good boy who destroys Tokyo with his wagging tail. Oh, that Until he meets humanity. his nemesis, Cat Kong. Cat Kong. <laughs> <laughs> well, the yeah. Kong brand is a dog toy brand. Oh, <laughs> so we're the cat. Oh. I thought it was Dogzilla versus Dogthra. Catthra. Mecha oh. Dogzilla. Mecha Dogzilla. <laughs> screen doorzilla. Dogzilla. <laughs> Destroy screen doors. Mothra versus Street Lamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, your your mom's named Martha too. <laughs> Mothra. 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 <laughs> Your dog's name Mothra too? <laughs> no, her name's Martha Mothra. Mothra Mothra Mothra. Uh, Mothra Manhunter. <laughs> I think I'll name my next dog Mecha Dogzilla. That's, That's that would idea. be awesome. I will too, since my next dog is going to be an actual mechanical robot. Dog. It's going to be a uh, robot spot. I have a little remote control. I can walk him around. <laughs> oh boy! So there was spring break break for most of us recently. It was What's that. Yeah. Oh, it's when kids, you have kids. Uh, kids oh. are annoying, and they don't have to go to school. My kids just <laughs> did exactly what they always do. It's an excuse to go do stuff. Ooh. So for my spring break, I didn't come on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. How'd that go? That was good. My brother-in-law and his half of his family came to visit. Top half, Top or half? bottom half. <laughs> well, he brought his wife and his three youngest kids out of six. Uh, so, and we did just a lot legs. Of... <laughs> <laughs> well, that came in handy because we did a lot of hiking. Oh. 
a lot of hiking. Mm. Like the first too two much. days. Yes, definitely. The first hike was too much. Actually, the first hike was only like a hundred yards <laughs> to a waterfall. It was flat and paved. <laughs> but I had to rescue on a golf cart. Yeah, Divinity was there with us, but we had to rescue the women folk because they were um, absconded by a cultish um, hippie. Oh, that was very chatty. Oh, they got chatted up. Especially wet because he'd been in the waterfall, apparently. And he was barefoot. And didn't have a shirt on. And old. So kind of like Justice League. In (laughs) Mercia? Oh. And then he said something really rude that if I was there, I probably would have been very unhappy with him to my wife. Yes. That she couldn't believe he said. And if she'd been not in mixed company, she might have released the Kraken Mm. herself. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> this guy was a wacky he was dude. a wack job very wacky no, I am so desensitized to it in Portland oh. we were talking about the things that shock us and we're like yeah you know the people pooping on the sidewalk in front of you that's not that bad anymore it's usually oh. the people <laughs> doing hard drugs that's where it really gets to us yeah mm-hmm. but anyway the first two days of spring break we spent to the west of us hiking in a national park there two hikes per day well three if you count the waterfall i guess liberia is to the west right (laughs) and then um we came home for well we stayed overnight in a vampire themed town cool (laughs) that had very soft beds Unlike most hotels that have <laughs> hard beds. Anyway, <laughs> then we came home and then we went to the east and spent a couple of days hiking out east. Somalia? In the mountains oh. where it's super windy and cold. And I sat out the second hike because I was exhausted. <laughs> so, and then we recovered the rest of the couple days they were here so but it was fun we got to see some ocean spots and some mountain spots and had some good company any sunspots no sunspots although it was nice and sunny the first few days uh, Mm -hmm. of the, the week but it got rainy where we were the middle of the week so so Saturday, I took DVD out and our wives, and we took our trucks out to a place to go trucking. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, it was not made for trucks our size. Nope. <laughs> we barely squeezed through a lot of places. Um, it was fun, though. Yeah. Did we get a mile in? Is that how far we made it in? I don't know. I'm not even that far. Um, but we came upon some tank trap type obstacles that we couldn't get over. We didn't take our steps off, which was probably a mistake. Mm. Mine paid dearly. Yeah, (laughs) DVDs got rooted. But, uh, we, when we stopped to look at the tank traps, um... DVD noticed the problem. 
Yeah, I got <laughs> out of the truck to look over what St. Jimmy is looking at, and I heard. <laughs> I was like, is it a snake? Uh oh, a snake in my boot. There's a snake in my driver's tire. side, driver's side aft tire. I picked up like a fence rattlesnake. Oh, oh, yeah, those will do it. Right in the edge, between. I've got some pretty gnarly like treads on it, and it snuck right between two of them, right at the corner of the tread where it starts being the sidewall. Mm-hmm. And it was sunk all the way in. It, I don't know if I could have gotten out if I wanted to. Yeah, and you probably didn't want to. No. Because then you'd have a hole in your tire. Yes. <laughs> so in the, in the whole obviously tire. you guys have air compressors and tire repair kits and so tools and first, stuff, right? Yeah. First we drove out of the mile that we'd gotten in there, and the pressure light never came on until we got to the main road. And there was a spot where we had played with our winches the first time we got them. I said winch, and. Uh, um, yeah, St. Jimmy put air back in my tire, and I think the pressure light had just come on at that point. So we geared it up to 35 PSI, and then we drove halfway home. Well, first we drove to the town that was nearest. I thought, well, we can go to a tire shop there. But we got there, and the tire pressure light wasn't on still. So I was like, well, let's try mm-hmm. pushing it towards home. We got halfway. The light came on, so we pulled off, put air in it again, and then we got all the way to the tire shop by my house, which was Sweet. awesome. Cool. It's a short adventure, but it was expensive. Um, we actually had an appointment for the truck on Monday. Um, anyways, for doing all the brakes, which my wife estimated was $200, and I laughed. Um, it was like about $1,000 <laughs> for brakes and rotors. Last time I went there, it was a short trip, too, because my back window shattered. Oh, well, you're doing it wrong. Maybe I short. shouldn't have. I thought about coming up, but... You would have definitely yeah. wanted your your forerunner, not your yeah, truck. That's better. what we would have brought. But yeah. Even if it was a Jeep trail, there was a lot of side by sides and motorcycles on it that we had to avoid. Yeah, even yeah. though there's like miles and miles of trails that are just for them. There's one truck mm. trail, but they were all on the truck trail. Well, not yeah. all of them, I'm sure, but a lot Jesus. of them. Oh. But it sucks to lose a $270 tire after only having it for like five months. Yeah, you lost yeah. it. Yeah, they couldn't repair it. They couldn't find it. <laughs> I have at least you. Well, we at least it was it. damaged. I would doing try to repair fun. it. I would repair with it with. No, I do have the tire repair kit that we bought that I could try. That's what I would still yeah. have the tire because you could. Yeah, they fix it, it and use it as a spare. Or tires you don't well, have a full size. I need spare. to actually buy another one of the matching tires because the only tire they had that fit my rim and was the same diameter is like. I don't think it's an off-road tire at all. Oh, so they didn't have a matching? No. So I got to go on to American Trucks and buy the... I thought, oh, I might as well just buy the fifth rim. So if we damage one of the rims, we can have an extra. But they're out of stock, so... Mm. They just have to buy the tire, take it to the shop, have them switch it to the right tire, and then we'll figure out the rim for the spare at some point. It's weird to try to pick out a rim based on the tire size. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. When I had my new tires for only a few months and had to replace one, it wasn't doing something fun. It was because my toddler put a pair of needle nose pliers in the tread 
And then when MJ (laughs) was pulling out of the driveway, it forced them through the tire. I still have the needle nose pliers. That's not as destructive as what I did when I was seven. And I put bricks behind the tires of the the station wagon. (laughs) And so when we all got in the car to drive away, there was a little bit of resistance there, but... It didn't hurt anything. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, why? What's going on back there? <laughs> <laughs> That's silly. Yes. So then Sunday we went to a, an old fort. Walked around. It was one we hadn't been to before. It was a really nice drive up there. It's called Fort Flagler. And we started off going to a beach that we walked around on. And then um, there was like these uh, munitions bunkers that you can go in. And we we were eating lunch there. And occasionally you could hear like music echoing out of one of the these bunker rooms. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I wonder if they just have that playing to show you like how cool it sounds. But when we got done eating, we walked over and there was actually a woman in there with like a microphone and computer set up and she was singing and recording herself with the uh, reverb. Interesting. But it's cool. You can go in in these passageways and see where they stored uh, shells for their big, uh, what do they call those things? Cannons. (laughs) <laughs> uh, they're like uh, the t- oh, it's artillery. The vertical tubes where you drop a oh mortars. mortars. Yeah, they're like big mortars. They have other guns and stuff too. But yeah, then we drove around and walked over to where they had a bunch of other bunkers that were closer to the water that had formerly had gun emplacements and stuff. It's pretty cool. Definitely gonna go back. So I listened to your guys' show last week without me. Oh, yeah. The talk of what Justice League. Was, you guys had a good discussion. Scrambling. I, <laughs> I did like the um, the movie as well. Um, it's fun to have Brad on the show, even when I'm not there. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I wanted to point out that I don't think you guys touched on, but... Um, the guy it was a pl- four-hour movie. <laughs> I know. We only but missed guy, one thing. Well, just one thing that was interesting to me, because uh, when I when I used to watch the Justice League cartoon, Martian Manhunter was one of my favorite characters in that. Um, and um, I noticed that he was played by um, Harry Lennox, which is an actor that plays in Blacklist that I've been watching. Oh, and so when I recognized him from that, I'm like, oh, that's, he must be the general from Man of Steel. Um, I think his name was General Swanwick. Mm. So he was, and then he was the Secretary of Defense in Batman versus Superman. So he mm-hmm. got a promotion. So I thought that was kind of interesting that Martian Manhunter had been posing as like a general and a sec def. Well, that's yeah. the good, uh, retcon if you will for why he wasn't actually helping them it was that he was just 
manipulating things to help them from the well and it seems side. like it really seems like Zack Snyder had that in mind from the beginning that he was going to yeah. be that because yeah. I was reading an interview with Harry Lennox and he's talking about how um, there's a scene where Superman breaks his handcuffs and comes toward him and he was asking you know Snyder okay how should I approach this scene you know should I be standoffish should I stand my ground he's like no you're definitely going to stand your ground in fact you might even step toward him a little bit you're not afraid of him at all (laughs) (laughs) so it's like huh interesting and i guess there was a part where he was talking he was asking superman why he had just waited till now to reveal himself and kind of has more poignant meaning when you realize okay well this is martian manhunter you know disguising himself as a human so Uh anyway i think it'd be I think it'd be cool if they gave him his own movie, but I doubt it would happen. Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be six hours. <laughs> six hour movie. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I've been needing to replace my work phone. And so I bought a, a new phone, a Motorola Moto E, the 2020 version. Um, but I have to take the cameras out in order to take it to work. Well, all phones nowadays are sealed to be water resistant, so you have to mm-hmm. heat them up to take them apart. Oh. So I got my heat gun, and I heat the back plate and pry it up, and uh, got a little too warm. Oops. And uh, it uh, deformed it in a couple spots from the excess heat. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'll have to replace that piece. So I got the cameras and drilled them out and put epoxy in there, put it back together, and uh, the screen won't come on. Oh! So I may have overheated something internally that melted some solder or something. So I just ruined a $140 phone. Just put it upside down and heat it up again so the solder reflows back. (laughs) yeah, when I got my cameras taken out of something, the guy had they use guitar picks and start mm-hmm. prying, and they just start sticking them in. And, and then they, they did break a guitar solo quite often. But he said it took way more guitar picks than he ever thought it would take for the device I gave him. <laughs> he broke a lot of them. But well, I definitely didn't need the heat gun on high for that. I could have probably had it on low, and it would have been fine. But I didn't. I didn't really know what it was going to take. Then later, mm-hmm. my wife pointed out they said in the video you watched that you could use a hair dryer. Like, oh, that's probably <laughs> cooler than even the low setting on my heat gun. You use you the breathe heavily on it. Probably. Just well, a lot of together and rub them. people that do it a lot, they just have like these hot pads that they'll set them on because hmm. it heats them up evenly and. Oh. You can set the temperature. You could have come over and used the heating pads for the my uh, lizard. <laughs> oh. Because well, there's might, like heating pads that go on the bottom of the tank. I might buy another one and try again. Because now I have a, a spare parts phone. <laughs> the, only, the only part really that I could reuse would be the battery. And I guess I could swap out like the charging port. And the 
uh, headphone jack if I wore them out. So mm. I definitely won't get it too hot again. Well, this weekend I got <laughs> my first shot, vaccine shot. Ooh, you're a half vax. I'm Is half it you're vax. Homeless now? I'm not quite homeless. Civil engineers were in the list of things. Oh, oh. interesting. So, which I think that was only a week or something ahead of Gen Pop. But, mm. yeah. Well, so, how's, it, how's it treating you? My arm hurt really bad that first day and mm-hmm. night. It was weird. Mm-hmm. It was Which like you get. I got Pfizer. Oh, that's different but, than what we got. Oh, but it was it was like I assume it just has to deal with. I was really dehydrated when mm. I got it, and then where he put it in, it must have just affected it because it felt like after I've had a like a high rugby impact type thing to a, well, the, where the joint was actually sore. Oh, mm-hmm. So it wasn't like muscular. It was like I would turn my rotate hmm. my arm and it would hurt like in That's the some of my feels right now. Hmm. But it, mine's not just where they gave me the shot. It is my other joints as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, just, it's it's not, I mean it's reaction. worse there. But yeah it's but I I was thinking I was maybe having some side effects, but I think I was just really dehydrated and didn't get enough to sl- enough sleep. So I drank a bunch of water, took a nap, and then I was fine that evening, and then the next day was fine. Okay. Mine, mine just felt like a Charlie horse for like three or four days. <laughs> yeah, I, my only I, reaction was that night I had I was laying on that arm, and I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, oh, my arm's a little tender. So I rolled over. <laughs> I... I've had last time, well, the first shot I had all of the symptoms I normally get when I'm sick from Friday afternoon because I got it Friday morning until Sunday afternoon. Wow. And mm. I just got the other one today and I'm feels exactly the same way as last time. Mm. So I might be out of commission until Saturday night, I guess. Crazy. Hopefully it won't last as long. I'm going to see if I can get it in the other arm next time to see if it was just that arm or if it was mm. the way the guy did it or what. There are some of mine got his in his right arm and then went skiing and he said it hurts so bad trying to use his pole. Mm. His right arm. So he got his left arm this time. Mm. Yeah, I have heard people say, oh, you should get it in opposite arms or you should get it in the same arm. It's like, I don't <laughs> think there's been a, enough study can i to... get it in like my butt or something yeah, that's what somebody <laughs> works like let's turn around to go up your pants so here you go it's like no i'm not doing that hmm. or can they just put it right in the middle of my back that hurts already all the time right <laughs> so i don't notice <laughs> um, the oh and then i was gonna head. give a house update we had our inspection and there's like so our house is 50 years old and it's on a hill in portland that has really clay soils Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so like every house moves a little bit. So there's like, I think one or maybe two cracks in the foundation that were there when we bought it. Um, and I've kept an eye on them and stuff and they're not moving or anything. And then, you know, there's a couple cracks here and there of like in the drywall. And I just am obsessive about trying to get the house sold and not having any issues. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, they want a contractor to come look at something. We really don't know what it, it was. Well, they wanted to look in our attic, which. You have an attic? Is the. It's like a six foot by six foot space above our entryway, is oh. the only attic space. And I guess the inspector had seen some discoloration on the insulation backing. And before I knew that, I climbed up there because I'm like, what are the, what up here do they want to look at? Right. <laughs> and so after looking at it, I'm like, well, I guess there's like a couple stains on the insulation. Like, I wonder if when they re-roof the house, like a little bit of water got through mm. just to mm-hmm. discolor it a little bit. But I was so like, like, there's the one month where it's sunny, like the whole month. It's yeah. like they got wet. Right. And it, they had re-roofed the house the month before we bought it. Uh-huh. So it's got a four year old roof on it. Um, and so after I looked, went up there, I was like, all right, I'm not worried anymore. And then the contractor <laughs> came or they had a roofer come first and he went up on top and was here for like two minutes and then left. <laughs> and then the contractor came and evidently said, everything looks good is what we got. Like, you know, he told their realtor and our their realtor told our realtor or whatever. And then the appraisal happened and we haven't gotten sign off on appraisal or inspections yet, but we're supposed to find out tomorrow. Oh, good. Well, hopefully that all works out easily. So, yeah, it looks like, and I guess the appraisal should be our realtor was here when the appraiser was here and she said she had additional comps to show him and he seemed like he would be, it would work well enough with the other stuff that we had. It's a lot different than when I bought my house in Idaho and we were trying to get an FHA loan or something. And because of that, there was a basement bedroom that had a crappily built in closet that the previous owner had probably put in. And because of that, it was a bedroom. So it needed an egress window. Just one of those small basement windows. Right. So me and the person selling it, or a realtor, dug the hole for the egress window ourselves. <laughs> oh, you should have just taken the closet out. They'd already seen the inspection, so oh. it wasn't going to work. Which we did end up making it a bedroom. So, And although we didn't use that closet, we did tear it out. But my boy, older boy's... Stayed in there with a nice egress window, which was good, I guess. (laughs) You want something nerdy? This topic fits the bill, yeah. 
try to make it funny Like always, I'm sure we will, yeah Every time you listen, you get smart So pay attention to this part Technology is always moving fast Don't let science leave you in the past It'll blow you away All right, for Technergy this week, we're going to talk about a new way to farm salmon. Mm. If you plant them face up, oh, <laughs> not, maybe not a kind of farming. I so, thought the right, tail would go up. <laughs> that's the old way. Hello. Oh. Um, so there's, there's different ways to get salmon that we eat. You can get wild-caught salmon, which... You could wrestle bears for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just stand in a stream, and when they jump, you Fine. catch them in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or there's commercial fishers that go out and catch them and bring them back and process them and stuff. Or there's these um, salmon farms that basically they just put a net out in the ocean and throw a bunch of baby salmon in there and they grow up in this netted area in the ocean and then they harvest it makes it easier to harvest them and stuff um so there's this guy from norway named johan andreasen and he's you know spent his life farming salmon in norway and he's figured out a better way to do it and that's what we're going to talk about yeah so who wants to go over the overview of how it works you start with baby salmon you grow them to big salmon and then you collect them well what you do is you move the operation (laughs) closer to where the people that are buying it's at Right, so most of the salmon goes to the United States. So I was going to, I'm going to throw in a couple stats before just to give perspective. Okay. So in 1960, world um, wild caught fish production was about um, 35 million tons of fish a year. And it kind of leveled off around like the mid nineties. It leveled off in the 80 million tons of fish a year. So between like 1960 and 1990, the world doubled the amount of wild fish that we were eating. Your stats seem kind of fishy to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well the U S imports, a majority of the seafood that Americans eat. Yeah. As well. Um, but the trend, which uh, Johan, what was his name? Johan Andreasen. So the, what he's helping is the line for the amount of farmed, which would include his and kind of the net in the ocean situation. 
um, that trend has, you know, since 1990, wild caught has kind of leveled off, but the amount of fish consumption has continued growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the from 1960, it was like 2 million tons of farmed fish a year, about 16 million tons in 1990, and then in 2015 is the last year that there's data was 106 million tons. So it's up to 200, 200 million tons of fish consumed in the world in 2015. Hmm. Salmon is one of my favorite fish. Because it doesn't taste too fishy. It has a good, it has a flavor I like, and I kind of like how it flakes when it's cooked right. Yeah. I like it when it's not cooked very much. It's Mm. the number one fish eaten in the United States. I think that was even tied down to Atlantic salmon or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they've they've come up with a way to farm fish on land. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they're called alligators. fish that breathe air. <laughs> so they call them blue houses instead of green houses. Because I right. guess water's blue. And brown houses yep. already taken. Know. Water's clear, but, you know. <laughs> brown houses taken. That's <laughs> so one of the ideas about, you know, doing it on land is they're opening a plant in, I think it was near Homestead, Florida. Mm-hmm. And so it would put the the fish production and everything closer to the consumers right? in America. And I think they're saying when it hits full production, they would have half a billion servings of fish per year available from that. And so start eating more fish. One of the reasons they built in Florida is because most of all of Florida actually is has this huge aquifer underneath it. Um, I can't remember how far how deep it is, but they're uh, taking uh, so four hundred and fifty meters. Yeah, so they're taking the water directly from that aquifer, which doesn't have the pollutants that they have in the ocean. What's an know, aquifer? Plastics and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those things, and uh, they can use that and. Um, get the right salinity for to grow the fish and then any wastewater they have they can put right back down in there and the the earth will process is process yeah they actually drill down even deeper into these limestone formations and that's where they put the wastewater so by time it percolates up into the groundwater aquifer it has been filtered yeah because there's they get a lot of nitrates and stuff in the water, and right. So, so it's it's yeah. So it brings the fish production closer to where it's being eaten, but it also lets them control the environment for the fish a lot more closely, right. and it has a lot of benefits because they they get fish that aren't. You know, like out in the water where there's pollutants, like you said, um, fungus, they, no parasites. Right. Yeah. There's that's that's a big one. I think um, they, they, said can, they introduce more current, so the fish are leaner. 
Right. Because they, they swim have to they swim, harder. swim more so they have more meat and less fat. Matt they can control the him. flavor too. He said it was like the more the leaner meat has less fishy flavor, which Ooh, is what nice. Americans like. Yeah. A lot of Americans don't like fishy flavor. So they can MJ doesn't. They also can do smultification. I don't know if you guys saw what that is. But smultification? Smultification. So we make multiple fish out of one fish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it starts with an S. <laughs> oh. And it basically changes the fish physiologically. So that they adapt from living in fresh water to living in seawater. So this is something that would happen with a natural fish that isn't farmed, you know, that would swim up, you know. Right. They swim down to the ocean. Right. And then they live in the ocean. So they're able to do some smultification and simulate them moving to the seawater. And it changes them enough um, to make them so they you know, are more desirable for eating. (laughs) Oh, I did see in this article as well that was really interesting is that they were harvestable six to nine months earlier than they would be for wild ones. Right. Which is just like production wise. Yeah, you can get a lot more fish. I don't know how long. I wish they would tell you what the normal time is rather than just tell you what the reduction is because is that like 50% faster or only 10% I don't know I don't know how old a salmon is when you can eat it well according to Google for (laughs) maturity of salmon it's 2 to 8 years so that's not helpful at all (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if you, so if it normally took two years and you could cut nine months off that, that's like a third of it. So that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I'd say it's probably half of you know average. So it's probably five years or something. And they basically they still ten percent. They basically go off of size when they harvest them. Mm. So when they get to be ten to twelve pounds, that's when they. Um, start harvesting them. I watched this YouTube video that described the whole process from the eggs to um, their reach a stage that's called fry where they're Mm -hmm. pretty small and then there's a little bit bigger stage and then they yeah fingerlings and then they they go from fries to tater tots (laughs) (laughs) that'd be funny then wedges Mm -hmm. yeah they baked potato but then they end up in this one big tank, you know, and then when it time to harvest so many for the week, they go and they have this thing that basically gathers the bigger fish because the smaller <laughs> ones swim through the holes, kind of like a sieve almost. <laughs> they just fill yeah. through them. And then they pull the, That's awesome. Then they pull the fish out and they go down this little slide. And, we need a six-inch minus fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but they, uh, yeah, they go for ten to twelve pound fish. Um, uh, cool. It seemed pretty cool the process that they had. They said it takes like four hours from the time they slaughter them to having them ready to go to stores and stuff. 
Next week, we're going to talk about taking wheat production to the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the the place I lived at the longest in the Philippines um, was on the coast. And there was an area where along the along this bay, they had blocked off. They basically built berms and they had all these fish ponds where they would raise tilapia. Mm hmm. And that was pretty interesting because they would, you know, throw food out for them and you could look in there and just see all these fish. Um, I thought it was pretty cool because you could walk along the berms between the different pools. And uh, the way they harvested them was in one corner, there was a gate they could open that would let water rush in and the fish would naturally want to swim upstream. Mm. And so they would just harvest them as they're swimming up towards this gate. Stationary fish? Yeah, it was kind of, they would just like net them as they came to <laughs> swim upstream. A mechanical was, bear in there to grab them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mecha bear. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool to use their own instincts to Pick harvest against them. them. But, so if people were harvesting humans, what instinct would they take advantage of? Um, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're speaking you of instincts. Um, for beavers, it's the sound of running water. That triggers oh, so something in them to start the blocking the water up. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That's cool. That sounds like... Um, We'll be eating more salmon in the future. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be nice if it if the price Cheaper, came down. Good quality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't have to pay to ship, ship them overseas, them. and yeah, their harvests and as a, are better. And and as a bonus, you know, they have a smaller carbon footprint. So yeah. So well, they don't even have so. commercial rest or catch and release fishermen, but my business model failed. Apparently, you have to actually bring the fish in. You can't just release. It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the last salmon I had was at my job interview that I have currently. If you oh, can mm. call it an interview, I had salmon and at my job interview. It what? was on a really hot charcoal grill, and this piece of salmon, and he just threw it on there for probably twenty or thirty seconds, and flipped it mm. over once. And so just the outside had a char on it, and the inside mm-hmm. was just starting to get a little bit warm. And it was, was so it good. <laughs> it was still a little pink in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, now I we want had, some. We had salmon burgers recently. Ooh. Oh. It was weird. I mean, the salmon tasted good, but like, putting like lettuce and tomato <laughs> on it in a bun. It was like, I think I'd rather just eat, eat the salmon, the yeah. salmon without the burger part. But it was still decent. I, it was just like, what if you got, why did you do this? What if you got salmon meat wrapped with bear meat? <laughs> I, I or could do a salmon sausage made with casing from a bear. <laughs> <laughs> The, the most ironic you don't sausage. Know. You don't even have to pack it yourself. It comes pre-packed. <laughs> First, we expose it to this uh, acidic 
mash and enzymes to break it down. Well. <laughs> oh, man. So what's next? Uh, land-based manatee farming? That'd be cool. Oh, do you eat manatees? Good. I'm sure they taste yummy. If it was on a menu, I think I'd try it, but... It's the cow of the sea, isn't it? The sea cow? Yeah. Oh, you can make manatees. <laughs> I've heard manatee cheese is interesting. Men match the t-shirt, but instead of like the T-arms, they're like flippers. Mm. And how come we never hear about woman tees? They're, they're actually referred to them as mermaids. Woman tees. Mm. I forgot an A in there. Uh, yeah. Oh, the womanity. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It'd be cool if you had some property to have like a fish pond. Sharks. That you raised fish for food in for yourself. Great oh, whites. the other thing I was going to say um, that I saw in the Philippines is people would have these fish tanks in their house they were probably like a meter by half a meter and they would have a fish in there and the fish would just keep growing and when it was too big for the aquarium they would eat it oh so like a calf when you buy a calf for yeah your bedroom yeah it was just like <laughs> oh yeah we got this fish growing and we'll eat it one of these days it was kind of interesting philosophy and then you just get another, you know, baby fish and plop it in there. And I don't know what they scraps? feed them. But I don't know. The catfish I, that was fed on table scraps would probably be pretty good at the end. And then you can eat caviar. Yeah, it seemed like it was some kind of carp or something. I don't. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Ew. Probably a different kind of carp from what. Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah, not the We've... kind we had. Oh, oh no. get carp bashing variety. <laughs> <laughs> the invasive species type. Yeah. That are just all bones and meanness. Scale. Scales. Bones and spiked. They can swim in water that's a third their height. Yeah. So can I. <laughs> can you? <laughs> yeah, can yeah. you? <laughs> I c- you could, like, I, Are you actually around. swimming? Or is it walking the Two feet deep? Maybe like two feet deep. That's fine. Oh, I was going like oh, your I was height so you lay down. down. No, my height is In a swimming up. position. Slowly, you're not, slowly, you don't <laughs> swim vertically. Well, carp don't stand up. <laughs> they always lay on their belly. Uh, <laughs> we were both weird. Two of us were picturing one thing. Two of us were picturing <laughs> I prefer to uh, be supine, actually. Even if I'm laying down, the third of my height's still a foot. Yeah, it's, my height's actually, <laughs> in that direction, is actually growing every year, so. Oh, <laughs> One of these days. Too close to the tree. It makes me more buoyant, too. Do you want to be girling? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's technology. Make a wish on we 
whispered stars A road and faster car And a way to see if it comes true <laughs> Whoa, that sounds like fake consumption. I mean, consumption. Yeah, I did that. Oh, we can do consumption. fake consumption when we add some things in. No. <laughs> it's already long enough. Stuff I want to watch. <laughs> did watch a lot of stuff. I, I guess I'll start with the one that looks like DVD also watched Godzilla vs. Kong. Too. I just took it off my list. Oh, okay. that's why everybody else had it. Awesome. I was very happy with it. I'm uh, waiting yeah. to watch it. The only part I wasn't happy about, well, I just didn't spoil it then. Um, I don't care. You can spoil it for me. I don't care. I know, but we um, have listeners. Usually pouring water on a computer is not going to take down the whole system. <laughs> That's the that. only thing wrong you found with the movie? No, but that was oh, the most okay. glaring thing. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> there were a lot of glaring issues with this movie. Um, I Was it a Michael Bay movie? Was there a lot of lens flare? <laughs> a bunch of glaring problems is he known for lens flare yeah lens flare i thought it was the guy that did star trek that was known for that abrams yeah oh i think both of them i don't know i I knew about abrams i didn't know about but i think michael bay i think big robots that have have way too many parts too many scenes that you can't tell what's going on and yeah, it goes way too slow for you to see what's happening, zoomed in too far, or so fast you can't tell what's happening. Or a but, combination. Or the both, back yeah. and forth, back and forth. <laughs> yeah. so like, anyway, this ah. for, for me personally, this movie had the same issues for me that I had with Man of Steel. It's just a city being destroyed and oh, yeah. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people being killed and just no one bats an eye. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't think Godzilla cares. I know, but the nobody else seemed to care either. Oh, hmm. but they did make Kong like the uh, uh, what it was like. In, how do you put it? Um, sympathetic character. When mm. when Godzilla attacked the first city, they actually mentioned the death tolls. Only like six people. I was like, had twenty seven injured. I was like, there's no way. Oh, when it attacked that facility. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm waiting till anyway. I move in or move out of the house and get my TV back because I wanted to watch it on a 65 inch 4K instead of a laptop. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I think, I think it's on HBO Max until the end of the month. Yeah, I'll have a week or oh, okay. less, a little less than a week. Because it was awesome seeing on the big screen, and I should have apologized to my house because I had the subwoofer turned up pretty good, <laughs> and the whole house was shaking at points. It was awesome. So another movie I watched was Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. There'll be whales here. Yes. That's that's the one. <laughs> I still like that movie. That's I yeah. think one of I think that's my favorite um of the original movies. Uh, Con or yeah, I still was laughing through it. Um It's fun knowing that like um George Takei was just walk talking to a random police officer in downtown Seattle, I think. Not Seattle, uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, so that scene where he's talking to that officer—that was just a police officer that he just—they just happened to pull. Was it Walter Koenig, 
or oh, was it Walter Kitty? Kitty? Oh, it was Walter Kitty because he's looking for the nuclear vessels. vessels. That's right. And he's just looking at him like, "What the heck?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that movie's great. It's a good one. Have to watch it again. Uh, I also watched uh, the new animated movie Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, was that good? So I watched it with my brother-in-law and his family that was here, and. At first, I didn't wasn't too interested. Like I was playing a game on my phone while it was on, but you know what? After it was over, I'm like, you know what? That actually wasn't that bad of a movie. It was pretty good. And then everyone else in the room started tearing it apart. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? Am I the only one here that kind of liked the movie? <laughs> and I wasn't even so, interested in it at first. But just anyway, don't pay attention. Paying attention to the foibles. Well, I, I was actually paying attention, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the middle of it, um, most part. he invaded uh, the Russians and discovered writing. And oh. <laughs> I just <laughs> I assume that uh, in St. Jimmy's plot <laughs> synopsis for every movie, there's like a little bit Civ of Civ 2 mixed into <laughs> the plot. Yeah, oh. I wasn't playing Civ 2, but. <laughs> oh. I, I should put Civ 2 for my nerd cred because I had a pretty awesome. Uh, all right, put it down. We'll talk about yeah. it when we get there. All right. Um. Yeah, it, it wasn't what I the movie wasn't was what I expected, and so it was. I know. Yeah, I was thinking about watching it. So then I also finished the season five of The Expanse. Mm. Um, it seemed like. Yeah, it, I don't know. It kind of seems like a transition season between season four and season six. <laughs> oh, yes. Because there are a couple big things that happen, but for the most part, the four main characters are separated um, for yeah. the whole season. And then it doesn't really get resolved at the end, um, just mm. that they come back together. And there's a, a spoiler, but one of them dies. Um <gasps> <laughs> I won't tell you which one. Um, yeah, I made it about a third of, way, of the way into the season and kind of lost interest. So we got like halfway through and then we kind of forgot about it. But then the other day we're like, hey, we never finished that. So we watched like five episodes in one night, finished Whoa. it off. So we stayed up till 11 to do that, <laughs> which is way past our bedtime. But um, And then I found this interesting... Um, YouTube channel called Stuff Made Here, and it's got an engineer um, who's the star of the video. But he's got all these like CNC mills and stuff in his garage, and he does some pretty awesome things. He had some company give him a huge robotic arm, and so he attached a chainsaw to it to like carve a you know wooden bear or something wow he ended up carving a dog out of styrofoam but (laughs) but it was interesting how many different um kill switches he needed to have because he's like the death zone is really big for this thing (laughs) (laughs) he didn't want to get killed by this yeah but he also does stuff where he um builds things that make sports a lot easier like he built this 
basketball hoop that will move so that any ball you throw at it, it would make a basket. Oh, yeah. And that was, That's that was cool. pretty cool. And it, what's cool about it, too, is he, he doesn't go real deep into, like, the programming and the engineering and stuff behind it, but he does a decent job kind of explaining what he's doing. But he also shows his failures and things, and so it's it's pretty interesting. Um, I probably could have watched it the rest of the day, but I think my family was ready to watch something else. <laughs> They're ready to push in that kill zone of that robot arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking he hopefully doesn't have it connected to the internet. No, <laughs> good way to die in your sleep. Well, I mean, it's attached to this arm that's in the middle of his shop. I can't move what anywhere. What are you doing, Dave? For now. <laughs> right till it carves itself some legs. Yeah, there you go. Till it attaches to the basketball hoop, and you can't avoid it because it's going to get you no matter what. Basketball with a chainsaw attached to it. Another thing he had, he took a baseball <laughs> bat. Skynet related. <laughs> he took a baseball bat and installed this cylinder that had um, charges, or what did he call them? Not quite oh. bullets, but like blanks. Caps. Yeah, blanks behind the. Oh, piston. that guy. Yeah, I didn't it's... realize that was all the same guy. I watched where he went on Smarter Every Day. Oh. To improve that system. Okay. Yeah, because he made it so when he hit the ball with the bat on the piston, the piston would shoot and it would really fl- make that ball fly in. Break the ball in the process, but <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, super good. interesting. So it's called Stuff Made Here. I'll check it out. I watched the A Team movie. Oh, that's good. Uh, I saw it was on Amazon Prime. Oh, uh, what's right? his name? The yeah, guy. I don't know. I think Bradley Cooper's in it. Yep, he's face. And Liam Neeson, that's right. Yeah, uh, he's uh, Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. And the South African dude is um, Murdoch. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty good. I was not expecting much out of it. You hadn't seen it before? I mainly watched it. No. What? I mainly watched it because it had Liam Neeson in it. I've seen it a couple times. Part. I like it. The part of yeah, the tank? I thought it, it was... Better than it probably should have been. Well, it's one of those based rare movies. Other. Yeah, it's one of those rare movies that's based on something from the 80s that I love that they didn't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, they, right. they, they were pretty uh, legit to it, I thought. I was fully expecting them to screw it up, and they didn't. So um, I watched a movie called The Hustle with uh, Anna, no, Anne, Anne Hathaway Hathaway. and Rebel Wilson. And it is a gender swap remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh. And they some of the scenes are almost like shot for shot. So and, did they end up getting hustled at the end by a guy? Yes. Okay. It's the same exact plot. Rebel Wilson is this American that she's a con artist, petty con artist. And she hears about this place in... France that has all these rich men and so she goes there but that city is got this big time con artist which is Anne Hathaway who cons these rich guys and they you know it's 
Yeah. Was there a cork on a fork scene? Almost. I mean, there was that scene. They didn't do the cork on the fork, but they did do something related to Rebel having to go to the bathroom. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't as good as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Might as well watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. (laughs) Yes. If you're going to watch one of the two, just watch the, the original with Steve Martin. And Michael Caine. And Michael Caine, yep. And that one woman. Yep, that one woman, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we watched an interesting movie called Cold Skin, and it takes place, like, in the 1800s, I think. And it's they this, this uh, kind of scientist guy gets dropped off on this island out in the ocean, where there's a lighthouse and he's and a house for him. There's a lighthouse keeper there and he's supposed to replace this other meteorologist. And they're just there to like record the weather every day. Well, they find out the other meteorologist was killed or something. And uh, so he just moves into this empty house, but then there's these humanoid creatures that come out of the water at night and attack them. And mm. so he and the lighthouse. The no, they're. Uh, yeah, they're woman tees. Woman tees. No, I don't know. But they have to like defend themselves against these sea creatures and stuff. And it was pretty interesting. It was. It was Aquaman. No, there's no Aquaman. Is there an awkward band? There was some awkwardness. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's some interesting things going on. It, it it never really explains like the motivations of hardly anybody, but I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I watched a musical called Into the Woods, which is like mm. it's got Anna Kendrick in it and Josh Gad and is Johnny Smother. Depp in it. Yes, so it's all the like. Disney type stories or like Brothers Grimm stories, I guess you'd say. Because it's like Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk. Uh, it's characters from those interacting, but they're trying, they all have different things they're trying to do and um, Rapunzel's in it. Anyways, uh, and it's a musical. I thought it was pretty good. It was interesting. I like Anna Kendrick. She plays Cinderella. Oh, and uh, Chris Pine is in it. He's the prince that is trying to find Cinderella. But they're all interacting in novel ways based on their own storylines and you know, they're thwarting each other or they need something from the other person that they have. And so they have to figure out how to get what they are. Everyone's trying to get something. And, and uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I watched for the first time Saving Private Ryan. First Just like time. I can't believe you've never seen this. Well, it's just I one of those movies that I've heard about for years and years. And it's always been like never 
never seen it, never got around to it, but I always felt like I should. It was really good. I mean, it's starts with the storming of Normandy in World War II, the beach, and it's just like, oh my gosh, how horrible. We even said, MJ said it, she's like, there wasn't a better way to do that, and it's like... Nope. Uh, no, not with what not they really. had. You know, it's like, and I pointed out, like, they had this huge campaign to trick Germany into thinking they were coming to a different spot. And Germany believed them. This was the beach that Germany didn't know they were attacking. And it was still a huge loss of life trying to take it. Um. But it's got a lot of people in it, like Nathan Vin Fillion's Diesel. in it, Vin <laughs> yeah, Diesel's the, in it. People don't realize that the world was the underdog in that battle, in that war. Yeah. Germany was not the underdog at all. They were right. doing a pretty good job of taking over Europe. Yeah, so the plot is, which I knew, I mean, from just people talking about it, but there's this woman who has four sons, and they're all in they're all in the military basically enlisted and three of them die within the same short period of time so the secretary of the of defense or somebody sends a team to go get the fourth son and extract him and he's played by uh matt damon and so it's about this group led by tom hanks who have to go behind enemy lines to try and save this one guy's life. And so there's this conflict of they're risking their lives to save this one guy that they don't know. And they're like, I hope he's worth it. And they all think he's a jerk, you know, even though they've never met him. And, and uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Pretty uh, intense battle scenes for sure. There's that scene and, with the, where he's hand fighting with that German. It's like the most intense film oh, scene I, know. I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Very, uh, yeah, intense it's a movie. long movie, but it's does not feel long watching it because it is just oh. intense the whole time. Yeah, see, if you had asked me how long it was, I would just say, yeah, it was average length. It's like movie. two and a half hours at least. Oh, I didn't even realize it's not it like Justice League length no. or anything. Right. <laughs> and the last thing I watched also had Tom Hanks in it. And uh, it had Tom Hanks. It has Julia Roberts, uh, Rami Malek's in it. It's called Larry Crown. It's kind of, it's a rom-com, but it's not like, a, it's not that much comedy. There are, are it's there are some very funny parts, but it's not like your typical rom com. It's a rom drum. Yeah, there's there's a lot of drama. It's about this guy, Tom Hanks, who kinda is forced to go back to college as an adult to try and start a new career. Show that his dad that he's not a fool. No. Oh. Uh <laughs> he's he's a divorcee. He's in debt. He's like trying to figure out, you know, the next step in his life. And so he just signs up for some classes at a community college. And uh, 
it's just about the people, the relationships he, friends he makes, and these people that he, they help him a lot. He helps them out, and then there's some romance involved. But uh, and it's got Fez from that '70s show in it. Does it? You can tell. I recognized him from his voice, his accent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he was I the boyfriend. Know. He was the boyfriend of that. Really oh my girl. gosh I said to MJ I know who that guy is but I can't place <laughs> him and I didn't look him up that's I could even imagine the way he talked in that 70s show but I could right. never get the full that okay I'll have to tell her that <laughs> um, I guess the only knock I have on this is there was really no conflict I mean yeah <laughs> Pretty much just everything goes well. I mean, there is there is some drama between Julie Roberts and her husband, who is Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Um, so there's that's kind of the low point, but everything really just goes good for Tom Hanks the whole time. Like, well, he starts nothing... a little bit with public speaking at first, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that he's in a class to learn how to do it, and right. his first speech doesn't go well. But like at the end, he's the best in the class. So yeah, <laughs> and he takes this other class taught by uh, George Takei, and oh, he right. <laughs> like gets in trouble for texting during class or something. But um, he's like the best student in that class too. And he uses that knowledge. It's an economics class to, you know, do stuff. And, but it's, it's good. It's, I enjoyed it. So yeah, that's what I watched. Have you seen oh. band of brothers? Nope. You should watch that. It's on HBO. I'm pretty sure. Okay. If you I like Saving Private Ryan, you'll really, it's like a 10 episode miniseries. Okay. Last time I watched it, some one of my friends in Idaho lent me his disc set of that, and I watched him on the DVD. Hey, we should start a band, and we could call it Band of Brothers. Oh. Mm. Wear okay. World War II costumes? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be Sounds a German good. one. <laughs> He's French! Oh. <laughs> so I um, I've been going through the original series of Star Trek, and right now I'm probably halfway through the last season. I'm like on episode mm-hmm. 14 of season three. So I was going to talk a little bit about season three, episode one of Star Trek, the original series, which is called Spock's Brain. Yes. Um, so this ship shows up as an ion drive, which is cool and interesting to Scotty. And this woman appears on the bridge and she makes everyone fall asleep on the ship. And when they wake up, well, the falling asleep part is pretty funny because they all fall over, you know, different <laughs> stages of. Hey, um, when that happens. They wake up, McCoy finds Spock in one of his beds on a life support, but his brain is gone. Oh, no. Someone stole his brain. Not again. Hey, when that happens. So they track the ship, figuring out so the person that stole the brain. And. McCoy's like, you gotta get it quick. He actually has a time frame. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, Spock's body will die. 
So they track them down to this system, and there's a bunch of different planets, which is kind of cool. Is they have like a, they actually put it like a um, PowerPoint display up on the main view screen, <laughs> and like Chekhov comes off and is pointing at stuff. Um, they're talking about the different planets in the system. Um, but there's several with somewhat decent technology, but then there's this one planet that is like ice covered and has no apparent technology. And Kirk kind of goes against everything and says, well, these ones that have technology, their technology is not good enough to have taken someone's brain. So I'm going to risk everything by going to this other planet where they find these large giant guys who say they're similar to the same size as the others. And it turns out there's women that live down in the underground and they come out and capture the giant guys and bring them in to be servants and maybe appropriate, maybe? <laughs> anyway, um, they end up getting captured by them. They escape. They find out that they stole Spock's brain so it can be basically the control for their main computer to maintain their lifestyle underground, which everything's given to them, and they're kind of... They actually realize they're all kind of dumb. Like, there's no way they even have the intelligence to do something like this. But then they discover that there is the main computer has this thing called the learner, I think. And it goes on their head, and it gives them knowledge for a short time. So that's how they gave knowledge oh. to this person to be able to go take Spock's brain out and bring him, bring it back. So she won't help them, because they're like, no, you can't take our controller. We'll all die. So McCoy puts the thing on, barely survives the process, and then gets the knowledge. It's like, oh, it's like child's play. It starts putting Spock's brain back <laughs> in his body. But it starts wearing off towards the end. And oh, so boy. Kirk has to give him a pep talk in order to get him to finish the... Um, and I think they also... Doesn't point, Spock walk him through the last step? Yeah, he connected Spock's motor sister vocal system so he could talk him through the rest of the surgery <laughs> which is pretty funny and then decided they, for- they shouldn't have hooked his vocal cords back up <laughs> you forgot about the remote control spock oh right well spock is there <laughs> on the planet because they need him to put the brain in right right mm-hmm. and they actually use this remote control at one point they have these things on them that gives makes them in pain so they're getting punished with the pain to keep them from doing what they're doing and kirk crawls over and grabs the remote that mccoy had dropped and uses it to have Spock grab her arm and then press the right <laughs> button. Uh, it's like, that's a fine-tuned controller. Um, it definitely kicks off that season three of Star Trek, the original series, is a little bit different than the rest of the series, or mm-hmm. like season one and two. Um, it's quite different, but that, that was a fun one to watch. Um, I like that episode. Yeah, it's very campy. You're like, there's no way this is... <laughs> Seriously. Um, and I watched a movie that was animated called Starship Troopers Trader of Mars. Oh, I saw that on there. It's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Um, basically, the, they're still in war with the bugs, and Rico has Swabby. been assigned to try to trade or train some um, Martians, some humans that live on Mars, to try to protect their own. Um, planet, and they're kind of messed up. They don't; they're not very good soldiers. And they're like, "Why do you need to learn this stuff? There's no bugs attacking Mars; they're only attacking Earth." Well, then this huge um, 
Except there's it's like something had landed that had a bunch of the bugs in it and they erupted onto the planet. And so this ragtag group of people commanded by Rico have to try to take back the planet Mars. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Earth's leader um, is kind of nefarious and has caused some of this and is ready to activate a device on Mars that would just destroy Mars. Whoa. Um, and part of it's the Martians are starting to think they need their own government system. They want to escape mm-hmm. from. So check that out. That's pretty good. Although it's not rated very high. Neither was Spock's brain, but I like them both. <laughs> There's a change of pace. I saw this one recommended to me. Um, it's an anime. It's called The Way of the House Husband. Mm-hmm. And the premise is, is there is this. Um, what are they called? the Japanese mafia, Yakuza. Yakuza. There's a Yakuza boss that without any guns wipes out like 50 rival leaders in one night of just horrifying violence. But then the next thing you see is he's married to a professional woman that works, and so he's the house husband. So it's going through his interactions of doing house chores and grocery shopping and everyone recognizes him, or lots of people recognize him, or he's doing, you know, that he's this Yakuza boss. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually pretty funny. It's not very long. It's like the episodes are short, and there's like multiple episodes per episode, which is weird, but um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. Mm. Um, I watched another anime last night called Expelled from Paradise which I was just browsing around through, I think, Amazon Prime, and I found this one. It looked interesting. So the premise mm-hmm. is 90% of the population of Earth, after a giant like thermonuclear war or something that wiped out most of the planet, is now living in a space station, but just their intelligence. They're in like um, virtual reality. Mm. Well, they start getting this message um, that's like hacking into their system, and so they send one of their agents. They basically form a human body for her, put her intelligence in there, send her down to Earth, try to figure out who's been cracking into their system. Or she meets a guy that lives on Earth and kind of tries to show her, you know, the, the ropes of how to survive on Earth. Um, it was actually really well done. I really liked it. Had some good anime action scenes and kind of a good message in it, I thought. Um, it kind of felt like a Star Trek mission message where lots of time Kirk finds people that have something taking care of them. Says, no, 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 that's not how you do it. And he wipes out whatever's taking care of them and makes people think <laughs> for themselves. Because um, that's humans need that type of thing to grow. Mm-hmm. I guess not just humans, according to Kirk, everybody. Um, and then my son got me to watch this anime that he enjoys and my other boys enjoy and it's the highest rated of the stuff I've watched. It's 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. It's called one piece. And it is about pirates. So I guess there's a, this main pirate that found this one piece of treasure that like makes everything else not worth anything. And <laughs> he, when he dies, he basically says that people can f- go try to find it. And so a large portion of the population turns into pirates. Um, but there's this one guy that shows up. So it's kind of like Ready Player One? I guess. There's this one guy shows <laughs> up that his like, limbs are really stretchy, like rubbery. 
and he's like impervious to bullets normal. and stuff. Like when a bullet hits him, it like shoots out the back and then springs back out the front again. Because he ate a specific type of, they call it a devil fruit, that gives him his powers. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's not quite as serious as other stuff I watched. It's more schlocky and kind of comedy. Um, but the impressive thing is how many episodes there are. There's 24 minute episodes. And it came out in 1999. Can you guys guess how many episodes or do you think there might be? Total? 99 to now. 200,000. <laughs> Is it still Holy going cow, on? Holy cow, It's still going on, apparently. There's 970 oh. currently. Holy cow. Talk about Thanks. binge watching. I know. And my son's like, he's more than 400 episodes in. Do you, like, make... you even make that three? much? I don't know. But it's very popular. Um, people love it. <laughs> I guess there's 973 episodes right now. Oh, wow. just went to 974. Ah, oh, 75. Says, <laughs> it still says season one. <laughs> That's in season one? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's kind of silly. Uh, uh, and then, let's see. I think they had a book on here, too. Yeah. So I watched... Uh, I was on a Zack Snyder kick the last few weeks, so I watched the uh, Watchmen, two thousand nine. Who watches the Watchmen? Oh, just kidding. Um, it is an alternative reality where superheroes are kind of commonplace. Um, so this takes place in nineteen eighty five, and Richard Nixon is in his like fifth or sixth term as president. <laughs> And he basically got into that by getting um, a superhero to end the Vietnam War for him. And yeah, so this takes place basically after the heyday of superheroes and that were kind of came to be popular in the 40s and 50s. And then in the 60s, they kind of started losing it a little bit and then. Um, eventually they kind of get pushed out by the government and police and stuff. So they ban masks. So you can't wear a mask. So it kind of ends the superheroes. So all of them are (laughs) kind of retired and, um, one of them gets assassinated. And so, there's uh Rorschach is one of the one of the heroes who is kind of paranoid and he thinks that it wasn't just a random killing and it, they were going to start going after the rest of them so he starts investigating it and kind of going and contacting everyone from the old group and letting them know to be careful and um it's really good it's a very it's rated R it's very violent and has language um, and it's kind of a definitely a grittier look at superheroes mm-hmm. and um, I think it has the feel that well it was Zack Snyder so it's kind of I think it's the feel that DC comics wants to have in the movies they are making but 
they go too brooding and their comedy feels forced and yeah. Watchmen <laughs> the comedy in it feels more natural and it just feels like people being people um so it's it's really good I'd recommend it um cool. and if you haven't seen the Watchmen TV sh- series which I think takes place after like in current times so it is even I don't know if it's exactly in the same universe as uh what happens in this 2009 movie or not but there it's a more recent and some of the stuff that happens at towards the end of the movie is referenced in the TV series and the TV mm. series is really good too um I finished watching uh, the Formula One Drive to Survive Season 3, which cool. is a Netflix documentary. And they've got basically a camera crew embedded in Formula One for the last three seasons. And so they take a look at a partic- each episode kind of focuses on a team or a person that you wouldn't really necessarily know the story of. And they build through the season they build through the formula one season as well but they kind of jump around to cover what's going on with different teams and different people mm. and it's it's a really well made tv show and it doesn't require you to know any of the nuance of formula one mm. um it's more about the people and the drama and stuff that's going on with that but it's really good um episode nine there is a big crash which i had watched live (laughs) and i did not i was not prepared the guy was fine but watching the show there were like some camera angles that i hadn't seen before and the way they presented it Mm -hmm. i was like I felt like I was watching it again live. I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to die? <laughs> um, and he's he's ends up being fine. But um, there's been a bunch of memes I've seen on Instagram that have been really funny because there's a new rookie Formula One driver. There's been one race so far this season. And there's this new uh, Russian guy that people don't really like because he's just a his dad's a Russian billionaire and he just kind of looks like a jerk. <laughs> he looks like a cartoon and his dad looks like an older version of him, <laughs> but he crashed 25 seconds into the, his first race, his formula one career so far has been 25 seconds of racing. Oh man. And so there's been these memes about his, uh, Romain Grosjean is the guy that crashed. Um, in last season, and so there's mm-hmm. been memes about that Roman Grosjean was on fire for longer than uh, this other guy's Formula One career because <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was oh. in, on fire oh. for like 27 seconds. At least he wasn't at Sea Parks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's pretty. There's a. I'll try to recommend it. I'll find it. Um, there was a documentary about the safety in Formula One a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That was really good. 
Um, but I saw photos they showed of uh, Nicky Lauda's helmet, and he got like his whole face was burned off basically, Whoa. and had massive scarring um, on his face, and like you know missing an ear and all this stuff. But his helmet and Grosjean's helmet looked almost identical, and Grosjean yeah. had zero burns to his head. Yeah, the safety equipment's pretty spectacular. Yeah. And he pulled 57 Gs in the crash. Oh. <laughs> and then was conscious to try to get out of the car that was. Has NASA broken. contacted him yet? We <laughs> need some more astronauts. But, um, yeah. So I definitely check out Drive to Survive if you have it on Netflix. Um, and then another show, it's kind of mid season, but I'll mention it just cause I, it gets a good recommendation from me is on, uh, HBO. It's called made for love and it's kind of a dark comedy and I won't spoil it, but it's basically a woman is, is am I barking or is that at somebody else barking? That's uh, okay. We have a Wookiee in my house that's barking. It was timed with when I would start saying something, so I wasn't sure if it was like <laughs> that me. Um, so it's uh, Kristen Malati, I think, or something's the actress. Um, but she ends up she's married to this uh, tech billionaire, and they live in this hub which has like all these artificial kind of westworldy environments so they're natural environments but the with like a VR types you know holodeck style and he announces that he's got this brain implant they're going to roll out to link couples together and merge their minds well, this is like a bad idea. She's going to, they're going to be the first couple and she's like, get me out of here. So she escapes, Mm-mm. but it's a comedy and it is hilarious. Mm. Um, so yeah, check that out. Does anybody have any nerd cred? I have some nerd cred. You do? Um, D-Video will be proud of me for this one. So we were... Mm-hmm. Um, some of us have gotten some new hiking boots this week. And there was some discussion about what the difference between waterproof and water-resistant was. Mm-hmm. And I made the observation that water-resistant means that you only get half damage from water while you wear them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my wife blamed DVD for understanding <laughs> that joke. <laughs> Good. So, yes. Nice. The D knowledge has come through again. Oh boy. Excellent. You're up. Thank you. All right. 
so Civilization 2 is a game I play all the time. <laughs> and one of the ways that you can beat it is by getting building a spaceship and having it reach Alpha Centauri first. Right. So I I usually am the civilization with the most advanced technology, so I usually start my spaceship first. But I was in this world where I started on a small island and oh. this other civilization started on a huge island. So they had they were challenging me technologically and militarily. And uh, the only way to disrupt someone else's spaceship is to take their capital over. Mm. So me and this other country were both building spaceships at the same time. So I, before either of us could launch, I took their capital. I went out of my way to go attack their capital and destroy their spaceship. So they had to start over. And then I got mine ready to go and launched it. Well, shortly thereafter, they rebuilt a small, fast ship and launched it so that it would get to Alpha Centauri a year before mine. Oh. So I'm like, crap, I got to take their new capital to get rid of that spaceship. They didn't have a new capital. Oh. I was like, what do I do? The wipe them, them all. Entirely. <laughs> kill them well, all. they still had like 50 cities. So oh, man. They were still huge. I'd taken probably like six or seven of their cities. Mm-hmm. But it was hard. Each city, I had to build up a huge army to take it. And then it'd take me a while to build up a new army. So every year I was checking to see if they built a new capital. And Finally, like two years before their spaceship was going to arrive, they had a new capital and it was near the edge of their civilization. So I could actually get military (laughs) units to it. And so I was like, I got one turn to take over this capital and I did it. (laughs) I had to like pull units out of cities and leave them undefended to send them to attack this this city. And I was running out of available units, and I finally took their capital and made their spaceship return to Earth, and then <laughs> won the won the game. It was pretty. Do you remember what your? Because they give you a score, and then they give you like a title. Yeah. So, um, I had to patch the game to get it to work on Windows oh. Ten. And when I win with a spaceship, it just goes black. I, it doesn't give mm. me anything. Um, when I win by killing all the other civilizations, sometimes, most of the time, it'll work and show me like my score and stuff. But on that one, I didn't get anything. So, but it, it was cool. Sometimes <laughs> I play and there's like no challenge. Like I'm so far ahead that nobody else is even close but this one was really challenging it was it was pretty cool i played one time and the japanese uh nuclear bombed me oh these guys nuked me like 15 (laughs) times oh wow like i think they cheat because as soon as i can i 
build defenses against nuclear bombs mm-hmm. in my cities, but it was like they knew which cities were unprotected because they would they just could have sent mm-hmm. spies though and found out. Yeah, but I would notice that. Yeah, that's true. and some of the cities it would have been really hard for them to get a spy to all these different cities. Yeah, it was funny because they they bombed so many of my cities before I could build defenses in them, and then towards the end, they in one turn they sent like four nukes against one city that was protected. It's <laughs> like sometimes that the, the in, intelligence in the game isn't very good on certain things. <laughs> like you just tried to nuke that city it was protected and so you tried three more times like <laughs> maybe it'll damage it glad when they did that because it wastes all their nukes but it makes me kind of happy when i take over a city and i can see that they were trying to build a nuke mm-hmm. but um i'm like oh good i stopped them my favorite but- is to nuke their city and then immediately send paratroopers in my yeah, they, favorite is they to were, buy their cities. They were nuking my cities and not taking them. Weird. And it was really annoying because global warming almost happened. Right. <laughs> because it puts a bunch of pollution around and that's what leads to global warming. So mm-hmm. I had to like get all these engineers to go and clean up pollution real quick. And it warned me. It's like, hey, global warming is going to happen soon. And I averted it this time, but yeah, I was getting so mad because because <laughs> I would just have I'd have I had most of my cities protected, but there'd be like this one city off in this corner of an island that wasn't protected, and they would nuke it. It's like, how did they know? And then you take over one of their cities, and before you can build a defense in it, they nuke it. It's like <laughs> that's nice. You nuke your own city. Well, I, I figured out how to get around that. You nuke it first, and then. No. <laughs> um. So when you take over an enemy city and they have a certain level of science, the city will put out all these um, guerrilla warriors around Partisans. it. Yeah. Partisans. Yeah. Um, and so I always go destroy them because they they'll destroy roads and farms and stuff. Right. But I figured out if you leave at least one of them in a space right next to a city, they won't nuke it. Huh. So oh, they don't want I to would, destroy their own unit. They would kill their own unit. Kill, so I just people, but they won't kill their own units. Yeah, I I just started leaving one of their guys next to the city till I could build a defense. So. That was a new learning experience, but I was getting so mad whenever they nuked me. It's like, are you kidding me? I've never been <laughs> nuked this much. But, yeah. So, I play a lot of disc golf, but other than buying, like, those three packs of starter discs, mm-hmm. I finally bought my first disc by itself. We were out shopping for hiking boots, I think, and uh, at sportsman's i think they had a thing of discs so i was looking through there and there's this blue one with a robot on it called the destroyer that i liked a lot just the picture and the color so i bought it and 
when I threw it, my very first throw with it, it worked out perfect right down the middle of the fairway. <laughs> but I quickly found out that it's different than, than my other fairway drivers and that it's understable. Oh, it's not understandable? So it's not overstable. <laughs> so an overstable disc, when you throw it flat, will tend to dive left pretty hard. Uh-huh. And an understable disc, you can actually get it to kind of go the other way. So you kind of throw it with an angle on it, and it flattens out and then goes. And then will eventually, all discs will eventually dive left if you're, if you're a right-handed, right-handed thrower. Yeah. Right. You throw them forehand, then they go the other way. Mm-hmm. But it was really fun. Although I drilled it into several trees really hard. <laughs> and uh, it now has some nicks on it. But that's why it's broken in. And I didn't have a very good day. I only had like two uh, bars the whole day. But on a practice when I threw this awesome roller that they were amazed at. I found out if I throw a four, or yeah, a forehand putter, I can get it to roll quite a ways straight, which is fun. <laughs> cool. So I have been doing some tech upgrades on my motorcycle. I found, so if I go for, I typically just go for rides by myself since my friends don't have motorcycles anymore. And, um, one of the problems is knowing where to go. (laughs) So I got a cool phone case that I just leave on the bike and put my, slip my phone into it, but it locks onto the bike and it mounts in the inside of the pivot to basically where the front rotates over. Uh Well, I then found that if I put a map on it, my phone battery dies really quick. Uh So the try to go for like an hour long ride and it, my phone wouldn't make it through the full ride just because it's on, you know, forced to stay on because I can't, if it goes to, if it locks, then I can't unlock it with gloves on and a helmet and stuff Mm -hmm. because it uses face ID to open. Mm. Um, So I just ordered a new, it's the same company that makes the holder that locks the case in. They have a replacement locking mechanism that is actually a wireless charger. Ooh, fancy. So then when you lock the phone in there, it just wirelessly charges the phone. And then the cable is just run under the fairing and is permanently mounted instead of having to, like, plug the phone in once Mm -hmm. it's on the bike. Oh. Um, So I'll get to try that. Using technology to solve problems. Yeah. And I just remembered I was racking my brain when we were doing banter about what I did Saturday. Because <laughs> I looked on my phone, my calendar had nothing on the calendar Saturday. And then Sunday I just had the vaccine shot. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I did Saturday. But uh, Ben, Iceman, uh, borrowed his dad's motorcycle and he came up and we went for a motorcycle ride. Oh, cool. So we went for a couple hour ride and it was very cold. <laughs> but fun. Oh, good. All right. If you want to contact us and tell us what you did on Saturday, send an email to engineerdyshow <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for Engineerdy Show. 
And if you want to add free version of the show or check out our stuff, hit our website, theengineeringshow.com. You can get a t-shirt there in our shop or uh, hit our Amazon link. Thank you for listening this week. Stay nerdy. Live long and nerdy. You happen and always shall be my friends. Bye. So you can't just say bizarre You never get a moment for free Show me something fun on your guitar Something with an A or a G Just be sure that I can tell it Just be sure that I can tell it again Most guitars are made of trees With some L for the strings And some frets and two neat things Most guitars are made of trees Most guitars are made of trees People play them while they sing Some are dull and some just ring Most guitars are made of trees You know me so, you've seen it all before Looking at me stuck in a tree Trying to hold a thought you can't ignore Something multiplied by a three Just be sure that I can tell it Just be sure that I can tell it again Are you too stupid to do your research? You just Google it? Most guitars are made of trees With some L for the strings And some frets and two neat things Most guitars are made of trees Most guitars are made of trees People play them while they sing Some are dull and some just ring Most guitars are made of trees Most Guitars Are Made of Trees is by Greg Gibbs. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.